0: Hello, Pam Johnson here and today we're going to talk about the esophagus and specifically some interesting and unusual diagnoses that you may encounter on CT. So some background anatomy, Um, you're all familiar with the anatomy of the esophagus. It's important to recognize that the esophagus can be involved in a number of different benign and malignant pathologies, some of which present emergently so it may be that esophageal pathology is suspected but it may be that the patient has chest pain and undergoes a ct so it's very important that the esophagus is inspected on all cts of the chest particularly in patients who are having pain and there are some patients that are at higher risk for esophageal pathology including oncology patients patients who are in the post-operative setting or patients who may have ingested some foreign body and the um with clinical suspicion for perforation. So in this exhibit we're gonna re- review a number of different esophageal pathologies, then some complications of esophageal rupture, some pitfalls, path- uh, pathology that mimics esophageal masses, and then a r- quick review of esophageal obstruction. And they'll, I'd like to talk a little bit about technique. We don't often image with CT to evaluate the esophagus, but it's very important to inspect the esophagus with multiplanar reconstructions. the The indications for CT that we may uh, come across include suspected perforation, retained food or foreign body, or a patient with esophageal cancer. And the technique involves um, I, IV contrast; very important, water-soluble um, oral contrast. Is is helpful if you suspect perforation. Although I personally prefer that the patient undergo fluoroscopic evaluation because that ensures that you've adequately distended the esophagus with oral contrast. You can follow it up with CT to to definitively exclude any leak. Um, but the fluoroscopic ap- approach is better is a uh, better quality assurance that we've um, that we've given the patient enough oral contrast to identify an area of extravasation. The advantages of CT of course are the fact that it's available in the emergent setting, it's a fast imaging modality, Um, periesophageal fluid and mediastinal air findings that are that indicate perforation are not necessarily apparent on a fluoroscopic study. Or um, a chest x ray. So CT is really has the better resolution for identifying indicators of perforation and the complications that result in the setting of perforation. IV contrast, very important to be able to evaluate the wall and it. Without IV contrast, you can mistake varices for tumor. I'll show you some examples of that. Multiplanar reconstruction is really also important because we need to evaluate the esophagus along the Z-axis to be able to uh, really inspect the wall and the extent of pathology and the setting of wall thickening as shown in this case. All right, let's start with some different pathologies, beginning with vascular pathologies, intramural hematoma, venous malformation and varices. And there are actually a number of different types of esophageal varices. Intramural hematoma is not very common, but it um, it can occur in patients who develop Mallory Weiss tears, patients who have had a lot of vomiting. It can be uh, iatrogenic, patients who've had procedures. Um, and some, in some patients who are coagulopathic, they're at an increased risk for developing an intramural hematoma. Patients usually report a sudden onset of chest pain. They may have hematemesis or difficulty swallowing or painful swallowing. CT, of course, is, is a great imaging tool in this setting. It distinguishes esophageal pathology from other causes of acute chest pain. In the setting of a hematoma, the, cons- the treatment is usually conservative and hematoma is generally resolved. So here's an example of a patient who developed hematemesis after an intraoperative transesophageal echocardiogram. And you can see um, eccentric asymmetric wall thickening due to intramural hematoma within the posterior wall. Another rare entity is esophageal vascular malformation. And there are various types similar to ABMs in other locations. What you'll see on CT is a lobulated mass that contains multiple fleboliths, and that's the key to making the diagnosis. You, um, it can one of the things that it could potentially be mistaken for is an esophageal leiomyoma because they can often have calcifications, but they have a different degree of enhancement, and they usually don't have as many calcifications as you'll see in a vascular malformation. Here's an example. You can see all the fleboliths and the lobulated contour. You can, uh, clearly the contour is different from an esophageal leiomyoma, which is generally more uniform and localized. Whereas this is uh, more extensive and circumferential within the wall with multiple calcified fleboliths. This was a venous malformation. Two kinds of varices, uphill varices and downhill varices. And uphill varices are the ones that we see in patients with cirrhosis and portal hypertension. Um, very, very important not to mistake varices for a tumor and the the pitfall is that on the arterial phase, they do not enhance and they look like a mass. If you see varices, it's also important to characterize the size because that correlates with the risk of hemorrhage. And here's an example of giant esophageal varices in a patient with portal hypertension. Downhill varices are less common and, um, Many people are not even aware of them, but these are patients who have superior vena cava or central upper extremity venous obstruction. They develop varices in the proximal esophagus, and these have a much lower risk of bleeding, but you may encounter them on CT. As shown in this case, you can see some small enhancing vessels within the proximal esophagus. Moving on to esophageal rupture and fistula formation, there are a number of different pathologies that are associated with esophageal fistulization, including aortoesophageal fistula, tracheoesophageal fistula, and I'll show you some other less common examples. Beginning with aortoesophageal fistula, this is generally a very critical diagnosis in patients. Often, It's often fatal. Um, patients usually have the biggest predisposing factor is a thoracic aortic aneurysm, or they may have undergone thoracic aortic aneurysm repair. And they, the classic triad described by Chiari is dysphagia or mid-thoracic pain, a sentinel hemorrhage followed by an asymptomatic interval. So that's really important that if the patient comes in and has a sentinel hemorrhage and you image them and they're not bleeding, that does not mean that they don't have this diagnosis because this is often followed by massive upper GI hemorrhage and we've seen a number of cases that follow this pattern very specifically. You happen to image the patient in between the sentinel bleed and the massive hemorrhage. It's important to have a high clinical suspicion when patients present with primary aortic pathology or in the post-operative setting and CT is the imaging modality of choice. Here's an example of a patient who had an ascending thoracic aortic graft repair six years earlier and developed. Was coughing up blood, you can see that there's a pseudoaneurysm and many different, many, many gas bubbles in the mediastinum. So, this is more gas than you typically see with infection. And when you see this many gas bubbles, you've got to be concerned about uh, connection to the GI tract. Even in the principle holds in abdominal and pelvic imaging as well. Multiple gas bubbles like this should have should leave you with a very high clinical suspicion for fistulization to the adjacent GI tract and not just infection and in this case this was an aortoesophageal fistula tracheoesophageal fistulas are usually acquired in adults and it can result from direct invasion by malignancy but the other risk factors include prolonged intubation foreign body ingestion procedure Um, It should be suspected in a patient who has esophageal cancer and recurrent pneumonia. An esophagram is usually very very helpful for the diagnosis, but you can also see this on CT. So I'll show you an example of a tracheoesophageal fistula. On CT, you can see um, very nicely the connection of the esophagus to the left main stem bronchus, also nicely shown on 3D rendering. Esophageal perforation is a life-threatening event and risks include iatrogenic causes, endoscopic procedures, Borhoff syndrome, foreign body ingestion, trauma. Most patients have an underlying esophageal disease and they typically present with chest pain. They may have fever, Um, very important to make this diagnosis because of high morbidity and mortality if missed. So the complications generally result from a delay in diagnosis. Patients may be mistaken for having cardiac disease. And these complications include mediastinitis, pneumonia, empyema, abscess. Um, They can develop fistulas if they have longstanding infection and inflammation. Rarely they may develop vertebral osteomyelitis and discitis, um, but it can occur. And here's an example of a patient who had had multiple esophageal strictures and dilatations developed an esophageal perforation. And you can see on the CT that there's some disc space narrowing and um, loss of vertebral body height uh, along the inferior vertebral body. And on the MR, you see all of the abnormal signal in the vertebral bodies indicative of discitis and osteomyelitis. Here's a patient who had a chronic paracel paraesophageal abscess due to remote perforation. And we've actually seen a similar case of this um, in a patient who had a pancreatic abscess that looked like a tumor. So keep in mind that things that look like cystic tumors near the GI tract may actually be chronic abscess from remote perforation and the patient may recall an episode of pain several weeks or months earlier. And in this patient, she had undergone esophageal dilatation and Botox injection and developed this small abscess, uh, which was confirmed with endoscopic ultrasound and aspiration. This is an extremely rare case of a patient who had a duplication cyst, a parasophageal duplication cyst that ruptured into the distal esophagus. not very common um, for a complication of these cysts. Generally, patients just have these and are asymptomatic. Um, But here in this case, we can see the connection of this duplication cyst to uh, the distal esophagus. Rarely, uh, esophageal obstruction is not very common, but the causes include tumor, stricture, rarely gastric volvulus, and more, uh, it's something that occurs commonly in patients with achalasia. Um, And I'm going to show you a case of esophageal obstruction due to an organo. Axial gastric volvulus. So, some patients may walk around with a chronic gastric volvulus, but if a patient presents with esophageal obstruction and a gastric volvulus, that is an emergency. Um, and d- these patients generally present with a ch- acute chest pain in the emergency room. Here is an example of a patient with an organoaxial volvulus. You can see that the stomach has flipped. On itself along the horizontal axis and the esophagus is obstructed and filled with debris. This is clearly not a patient with an asymptomatic chronic volvulus. This is an acute volvulus with secondary esophageal obstruction and it is a surgical emergency. Pearls and pitfalls. So we have a number of entities that can mimic tumor Um, and there are some pathologic entities that will dilate the esophagus in the absence of an obstructing tumor. So beginning with um, reflux esophagitis, occasionally it can look very mass-like and it's important to look on axial and coronal images to um, evaluate the configuration because tumors are generally somewhat localized and a long segment of wall thickening is more suggestive of esophagitis. Um, The target sign as shown in this case is is, uh, on the axial image is classic for esophagitis. And as you can see on the axial images, this looks like a malignancy, but when you look on the sagittal and the coronal, you can see the length of thickening in this patient who had esophagitis. This is a reiteration of the point that I made earlier about how on arterial phase imaging, varices can mimic a mass. You can see it looks like a soft tissue mass on the arterial phase. On the venous phase, these collaterals all fill in with contrast and these are uphill varices in the setting of portal hypertension. Critical not to mistake this for a mass because you do not want this patient to undergo a biopsy. Um, here's a patient with a functional obstruction due to achalasia, one of the examples of how it may look that the, as the po- esophagus is obstructed due to a tumor, but actually this is um, part of the, uh, it's a functional obstruction that these patients often have. So in closing, um, there is a spectrum of pathology that evolving in the esophagus. The esophagus should be in your search pattern. I think that the, anterior, the very anterior and posterior mediastinum are blind spots that people do not have in their search patterns but should become part of your search pattern um, and careful inspection of the esophagus so that you do not miss important pathology, including tumors and varices. Um, and it's very, very important to be using multiplanar reconstructions in your inspection of the esophagus. Also, for defining the extent of disease and complications involving the mediastinum. So, I'll leave you with a list of references for your reading pleasure, and thank you very much.